Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and for downloading and subscribing to the podcast. I appreciate it and I'm so grateful. And today's show is brought to you by GoDaddy.com, where you can buy your own domain name, build your site, or use any of GoDaddy's business tools and save 30%. All you have to do is go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, click on the resources tab, and then the GoDaddy icon to save 30% today. All right. So today's episode, really excited to talk with Dr. Brett Kastenbaum. So uh, Brett is a physical therapist and he is also the co-founder of newgradphysicaltherapy.com, a website that provides tools and resources to help the transition from student to practitioner. And he also co-founded covalentcareers.com, a technology whose mission is to make on-demand employment for healthcare professionals possible. Brett is dedicated to helping physical therapists find success and fulfillment in their career. Okay, so Brett and I did this interview a couple of weeks ago, and we just kept talking and talking and had such a great conversation that we actually split it up into two separate uh, podcasts. So you'll have this one today, and then you'll have part two, which will come out Thursday the 11th. Um, and Brett is just, he kind of gets it. He kind of gets where the that new grad, what the headspace is and where they need to go in their careers. And so today in this episode, we talk about how to utilize online technology to build a community and leverage a greater audience, social media's role in building a brand in your community, steps you can take to invest and build your website, develop copy and create a personal brand, overcoming mental roadblocks new graduates face in starting their businesses, and believe Believe me, those roadblocks, new grads face them, so do old grads. Everyone has a roadblock at some point, and, and a lot of the time that roadblock has to do with fear, whether it be fear of succeeding, fear of failure. So we talk a lot about fear and kind of how to, how to overcome that barrier in, uh, in today's podcast. And just talking about some insecurities young entrepreneurs often have about their abilities to differentiate themselves and value themselves in the marketplace. And again, this all comes down to doing a lot of internal work, which Brett has certainly done, which I have certainly done. And it's that internal work that really can make such a difference in being a successful entrepreneur in whatever you're in, but certainly in the world of physical therapy, where oftentimes we're putting ourselves last and prioritizing everything else. So prioritizing our patients, prioritizing family, business, which certainly those things need to be prioritized, but oftentimes at the expense of at the expense of ourselves. So I think it's important as physical therapists, especially if you're going into that entrepreneurial space, to make sure that you're taking time out for yourself, you know, that you're putting your oxygen mask on first before helping others, because otherwise um, you're going to have a very, a very long, long, uh, long days and long weeks that may end up being a short career because of burnout. So Brett and I talk a little bit about that uh, in today's podcast. And, and then when we get into part two of the podcast, we kind of expand and, and give each other some really helpful tips. So hopefully you'll turn into part two, which will air 
on uh, May the 11th, Thursday, May the 11th. Um, so a huge thanks to Brett for coming on and being so open and open and honest and sharing all of his uh, great advice for physical therapists. And again, if you want to save 30% and get your no- domain name or use any of, of, of their other services, then go over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com click on the resources tab and go to GoDaddy so you can save 30% today. And of course, uh, make sure you check out the show notes for today's episode because we talk about a lot of stuff and it's all in the show notes. One click away, very, very easy. Um, So thank you all for, again, tuning in today. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that it resonates with you and you can kind of push through those barriers in your own career. So huge thanks to Brett and enjoy. Hey, Brett, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you on. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. So we were both just at CSM. So for everyone listening, uh, we sort of recorded this, what, maybe two weeks after CSM, um, and you had a big talk there. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and maybe what came, what came out of that talk? What kind of response have you had? Yeah, sure. So the talk was extremely exciting. It was a lot of fun. Um, It was myself, Ben Fung, Rich Severin, and Greg Todd, and we spoke about social media, and we also spoke about uh, tools and resources people could utilize to help advance their careers. And then we even went into things like, you know, what mindsets and and how to overcome obstacles, especially for the younger generation, the new graduates, the students out there, how to really start uh, the careers off on the right foot. And a lot of interesting stuff happened after the talk. And it was actually inspiring for all of us because we saw so many people taking action. So one of the big lessons that we wanted to come out of it was that, hey, look, everybody has the opportunity to do something big in life. And everybody has the opportunity to do more than they think they can in their careers. And the internet and social media and tools and and the age that we live in have provided those opportunities. And we describe that people should start getting involved. They should start blogging. They should start getting their social media accounts up. They should start YouTube channels. And it was fascinating. There were so many people who took action, applied what we were talking about, created their own blogs, put up excellent articles, people who started campaigns to help consumer awareness to get the word out about PT in general. And in our professional careers, uh, it's been excellent for us because, you know, we kind of uh, reaped the benefits of our own lessons where we all have been doing this for a long time now. Uh, Me, probably less than the rest of the guys out there. But there are so many things that come out of putting yourself out there in the community and doing something that other people aren't doing, even though it may scare you, even though it may be very, very challenging, even though you may have never done it before. Once you start getting involved, you really start to see that momentum build and build and build. And you can change not only your life, but the lives of so many people around you. And when you say kind of get out into the community, do you mean the physical community in which you live or an online community? So there's no, there's no walls here. You can get into the physical community and you can get into the online community. Now, what the online community does is it allows you to leverage up because it doesn't make space a factor. So think about how many people you can fit inside a small house. You can fit 10 people in a small house. And if you go into that small house, you can talk to those 10 people and potentially 
your word can spread through those 10 people to, you know, if each of them talk to two people about what you spoke about, uh, you, your message can spread exponentially. But it will take a lot more time because the base, the foundation of which you're starting upon is, is so much smaller. But if you go online, you can go into a, um, a group on Facebook and you can talk to 20,000 people at a time and you can impact a larger community. Now, that doesn't mean that your message is any better in either of the places, but if you want to talk to, to more people at the same time and you want to leverage up, utilize technology, utilize social media, and you can impact a larger audience at, at, in a shorter period of time. Yeah, yeah, no question. And what about for those people, though, who maybe they're not students, they're new grads or seasoned professionals, and mm -hmm. they have their own business? So if you're running your own PT business where you're actually seeing patients and you need to have that community, mm -hmm. your physical community, because you need people to come to you, right? So in, in that respect, yes, it's great to put yourself out into huge groups, but you also need that, that smaller physical area because you want people to come and physically see you. So any tips for people on how to get the word out, whether it be using social media or not, but to your immediate physical area? Yeah, and this isn't an area that I'm an expert in. Uh, I don't do as much in, in physical space, but I know for sure it is certainly an excellent tactic if you are a business owner. So um, I guess just anecdotal story, my family owns an eye care practice in Plainview on Long Island. And one of the ways that my father grew the business was by going to all the schools and doing uh, pro bono work for all of the students at the elementary schools and at the high schools. It's the same thing in PT. You can do both talks for the people there, and we can obviously educate on um, wellness and prevention. Uh, you can also do screenings, uh, pro bono screenings at schools, either for the athletic teams or just in general for the students. And there's so much you can do in your physical communities. And having that personal touch will absolutely be a game changer for your business because people, especially in this day and age, relationships and uh, that personal touch is what everyone is looking for. There's so much noise out there in the community. There's so many different messages spreading. And the one thing that resonates with people is, hey, you know, I'm here for you. I'm your friend. You can trust me. And the only way they can experience is that is through emotions, is through feelings, is through you being real. Uh, so getting out in your community and, and, and actually connecting with the people is super important. Now we look at the other side and then we think again about the principles of leverage and, and how do we leverage both things. We don't have to do them simultaneously. We can do them one and we can do the other. Uh, but Greg Todd is an excellent example of both of these. He gets involved in his community. He does talks in the community. But then he also has a huge presence online which helps him and gives him advantage over both other professionals in different professions that we may or may not compete with depending on how you think about healthcare and how you think about business and also other uh, clinics in the area potentially to, to get more business as well. And then finally, even just educating the community at large that we exist. So the big ways to do that is by utilizing social media and utilizing Google and utilizing search and utilizing the internet and getting on so, so nowadays, they use what's called geotargeting in all of these different platforms. So Google, Facebook, Twitter, everybody knows where you are. I know that sounds a little bit kind of like Big Brother watching, but that's what happens. You opt in for these things. You have GPS on your phone. They know where you are. 
When you are on social media as a business owner, uh, first off, you can obviously put in your location so people will be able to find you much easier. But you want to provide your community with that niche knowledge that you have because somebody out there is looking for that information. So a great example, again, is Greg Todd. He does a fantastic job with YouTube videos. He'll put out YouTube videos describing maybe um, you know, what common conditions can uh, be faced by people, whether it be shoulder injuries, knee injuries, whatever they may be, and then put out information describing what you can do um, for yourself at home, which obviously we know as physical therapists, nobody does anything, and then what you can provide as a physical therapist for them to help them heal their injuries. And that will organically get you more and more people to your website and then eventually into your practice. And I've, what I've found for my own practice, um, the way a lot of people find me is just by having good copy on my website. Um, so I think that that's, you can do all of this other stuff, but if people go to your website and it's a crap website, or your copy stinks, or people can't relate to you, then guess what? It doesn't matter how big your online presence <laughs> is. It makes yeah. absolutely no difference because you can have an online presence and then go to a website and it's really crappy. The person's going to be like, who is this person? You know, if yeah. you've got, like I always tell people, and I said this into what, one of the Facebook groups that, that I manage, and it's please, 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 please always have someone spell check, double check, rewrite your copy if you need to. Because the worst thing you can do is put something out there that's just a hot mess. Because then people are going to be like, who is this person? Like, they don't even spell check. You know, they're yeah. like, what is happening here? How can I go to this person if they don't even spell check their website, you know? Yeah, your website is actually a fantastic um, example of what to do on a website because it has a lot of different things. So what do people think about? There's actually a great book called Crossing the Chasm, mm -hmm. which describes that the only way that a business is going to spread over time is through word of mouth because the middle, the, the, what they call um, the, late, the early and the late majority, the middle makes decisions based off what other people say about it, reviews online, um, a recommendation from a friend. That's how, the, that's how the early and late majority are going to find out about your business, trust your business, and come to your business. They're not going to be the ones who, who are uh, what's called the early adopters. They're not going to be the ones who risk coming to your practice and it not being great. They need to hear it from a friend. Um, so on your website, Karen, you have a lot of stuff that talks about all of the things that you do. It talks about your podcast, which you do a fantastic job with. It talks about all the other podcasts that you've, built, that you've been on, and it builds that trust likely with the patients and the people who come to your website because they say, oh, you know, this is an expert. This is a person that I can trust. And then you also have a few recommendations on there of people saying, Karen did a great job. You know, she takes care of us, et cetera, et cetera. And those are extremely, extremely, extremely important. People need to. So there's a word that's been going around a lot and it's, and it's called uh, your brand, your personal brand, right? And that's an extremely important concept that people are afraid of. They don't understand it. And they think like branding means like, um, you know, you have to create a new name for yourself, like um, Coca-Cola or whatever it may be. You have to live under this, this alias. But that's not what branding means. Branding just means being able to describe yourself and present yourself as either someone of authority or someone that can be trusted. 
and building that over time. And that takes reputation. So brand and reputation are very, very synonymous. And that's not something that is explained a lot when it comes to brand. Now, again, you were talking about um, copy on your website. And that's another super important topic because the attention span of people nowadays and the younger and younger people get is getting worse and worse and worse. If you are from the ages of 18 to 24, your attention span is maybe six seconds long. If you're from the age of 25 to five seconds, yeah. If you're on the age of 25 to 35, it's maybe 15 seconds. But that's how much time you have to catch someone's attention who gets to your website. So there's a concept called the funnel, you know, the purchasing funnel or the oh, patient funnel. If I funnel. hear one more thing about a funnel... <laughs> I'm like had it up to here with funnels. Like, can we stop talking about funnels? Yeah. Like, haven't well, we had enough talk about funnels? I I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. I agree. Well, the the the, play, the part where it comes into play here is that when the website is described as this place that people come to. And if you have a, a poor website that doesn't resonate with anybody, like you said, you can get 10 million people to come to your website and nobody's going to come to your practice because it looks like a hole in the wall mm -hmm. because that's how they're going to judge you. They're going to judge you by, oh, this website looks pretty. You know, how do you judge things? Well, first, like for instance, an iPhone, you love the packaging of your iPhone. You might even keep the packaging of your iPhone for weeks before you throw it out. I think I still have crazy. my iPhone yeah. packaging. Exactly. <laughs> and I got it's a it last beautiful summer. Product. It's beautiful on the outside and people are looking for that. People are looking for, or people think if it looks good on the outside, it's probably good on the inside when it comes to products. I mean, when it mm -hmm. comes to, you know, yeah. people, things, we, we kind of have the same thing. Oh, this person takes care of themselves, you know, um, whatever it may be, they might have good habits. But now when it comes to the website, if we're going to think about the funnel, and I know we don't want to hear about it anymore, but that's the second step in this funnel because if we spend the time, if we spend our first, the first part of our time trying to get people to this website and then they leave, that's wasted resources, that's wasted time, that's wasted money because likely you're going to be spending money on advertising. So if you focus on the website part first because you know that everybody's going to have to pass through that website to get to you anyway, and then once you find out, hey, this website is good, it's resonating with people, then you bring the traffic to the website and then they become patients eventually. Right, yeah. And, and I think, you know, getting back to kind of branding, and, and I know that that's a word that's thrown out quite a bit and, and oftentimes not in, in the right way or, or with the right uh, definition um, or thought behind it. But, I mean, when you think about branding or you think about your brand, your brand should reflect your values. It should reflect your um, what your impact want, what you want your impact to be on the world and on your community. And it, it should it should be relevant to your to what you do. You know, mm -hmm. these are all huge parts of a brand. You know, you have um, a, a client of mine is a branding expert. So, you know, when I patterned my website off his website, right. you know, and he gave me a lot of great advice, you know, so I'm very lucky in that respect. But he always calls it, you know, you want to think about your ROI when you're thinking about your brand. And your ROI, it's not your return on investment. That's not what your brand is. Your ROI is what, how are you relevant how are you original and what is your impact? So relevance, yeah. originality, and impact. And that's what makes up your brand. You know, so when you're thinking about your website, like for instance, when I did my website, 
I was like, I love my client's website. I want it to be clean. I want it to be easy to, to navigate. And, and I told um, Ryan Smith did my website. And I told him when, when we were doing it, I was like, so basically, you know, I have a high-end service. I service high-end clientele. I want my website to be like the Tiffany's of physical therapy world. Because that's where my clients shop, you know? They shop, yeah. they shop other places, but you know, like they're designer kind of people, you know? So yeah. I wanted to have a designer kind of website. And like the worst thing you can do with a website Oh my God. And I see it all the time. I don't mean to go off on a rant here, but you brought it up. But the worst thing I see on a website, I'm sure you can agree, is when you click on the website and it is just, things are popping up all over the place and, yep. and it's just words and words over here and words over here. You can't see me, I know, because it's a podcast, but you know, you've got words, column on the right, a column on the left, this stuff on the top. You can't even tell that the person's a PT. Yeah, because there's, there's so actually, much stuff everywhere. Yeah, that's a super important concept, and and again, this kind of goes into the attention thing too. So yeah. people have very very limited attention, and also you want them when someone comes to your website, you want them to take a specific action. That's likely yeah. why you're there. You're 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 providing information for people. Yes, you're doing all these things, but the likelihood is that you have the website so that people can take a specific action. Is that action uh, book an appointment? Is that action um, purchase a foam roller, whatever that action may be, you want someone to take one specific action. Uh, well, I guess there are some people out there who want people to take 20 actions, and those are typically the ones that fail because there's way too much going on. And um, Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss actually are two people who do a fantastic job. Uh, Seth Godin is is someone that I model a lot of my behaviors off of. And you know he has his email, for instance. He sends a daily email that all that always has new information. And the only thing he'll do every once in a while is put one link in there, one link, one very specific thing. And he's gone through the ringer. He's tested everything, you know, everything, every different type of website, the fancy ones with all the pop-ups, the ones with the HTML5 that slow everything down and they're, you know, they faded into non-existence by this point. But simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. And again, Karen, your website is a fantastic example of that. It's very simple. It's a very easy to navigate layout. There's only a couple of things going on on a page. It's all in line. It's linear. Um, it, it all goes on a very, very specific flow of this the first point leads to the second point, leads to the third point, leads to the action that, shot, that I want you to take. And a big thing, we were talking about copy earlier, is that copy is, is super important. Copy is really just the words that you use. It's the, it's the text on the page. It's even the images. Uh, mostly copy is describing uh, the text on the page. You need to be able to convey your point in the least amount of words possible. So if you can convey your, your point in 20 words, but you figure out a way to do it in 10, and those other 10 words don't add any extra value, but they might sound good to you, cut them out. It doesn't, you, you want your sentence to be as short as possible. Exactly. Well, simple is smart, right? Yep. Um, so you don't need to have a lot of extraneous things dangling around or gobbledygook or whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, a, another great thing, and then we'll, I guess, gosh, we're, we're kind of all over the, well, no, we're not all over the place. We're good. Um, so a, another thing that I, since we're talking about websites, that I always encourage people to do is try and update your website regularly because that keeps mm -hmm. it higher up in the Google feed if you're key, if you keep um, updating it. 
So like every time I have a new article published, like I don't have a blog on my website, but if I am on a podcast or if I'm, if I have a new article published or I've just spoken someplace, I make sure that I update that as regularly as possible. It's usually like at least twice a month. So that way it keeps it up pretty high in the Google search. Yeah, updates are super important. And the other, the other thing that's becoming even more and more and more important nowadays is, is connecting your website to social media. Mm-hmm. So one of the factors that they utilize is social, um, social relevance and social presence and how, how far your message is spreading on social media. So the, uh, the Google algorithms track those things as well. So making sure that you connect, that you have a Facebook page, that you have accounts on all of the social networks and that you are posting on them is very important because that will help you also increase that Google search. And if you haven't learned already, being at the top of Google search for the terms that you want to get found for is the key. Well, super it's one important. of the keys. And, <laughs> it's and you super know, important. You don't have to pay for it. You if don't you've have got to pay right for it. the right copy. That's right. And so here, okay, so here's the thing too. Paying for these things like copy, paying an expert to write your copy, providing them with the message, provide, and then saying, hey, expert, write this copy for me, is a fantastic investment. 100%. Because if you do it the other way, first off, if you have the bad copy, we've already learned that people are not going to purchase what you want them to purchase or take the action that you want them to take. Second, um, if you can increase your Google rank, that means the dollars that you will have to spend on the pay-per-click or the advertising side of things on Google is going to decrease because your search rank is or, or your searches are already up there on the page. So what you're doing by paying for these things, i.e. a great website, maybe some coaching in how to do all of these things like get your Google range up, et cetera, et cetera, is an upfront cost that will be an investment for you over time. And then the other way to do it is obviously you can always pay for clicks and pay for all sorts of things. Yeah, like you can go on and do like a Google ad or AdWords and all that. I've never done that actually. Have you done that? Have you done paid for Google ads? Yeah, we, we use Google ads a lot and, and it's becoming, um, they're very good. Google ads are very good if you know how to utilize the Google advertising backend, which, um, you know, we, can you talk about that for a sec? Sure. Um, it's, it's complicated. The Google backend, they don't make it very friendly and they don't do that on purpose necessarily, but they have such a complex product that it's almost impossible to make a extremely user friendly version. That's great for everybody. The biggest and best thing to use nowadays is retargeting and remarketing. And setting up retargeting is um, difficult. Once you learn it, of course, it gets easier. There's videos. You can actually call Google support. They have absolutely fantastic support, and they will walk you through all these things. So if you set up a Google account and you schedule time with their support, they will walk you through exactly what to do. You tell them, hey, this is my goal. What's the best way to do it? And they'll walk you through the steps because they know that once you see that, hey, Google gets results when you pay us, we get you paid, you're going to want to continue to do business with them. So it's in their best interest to do a great job for you. On the back end, um, the first thing you would want to consider is what search terms do I want to come up for? So you might want to come up for physical therapist in New York City. Um, You might want to come up for all sorts of things and you want to think about those things. Um, it gets super complicated. Let's just, let's just say that if you want to achieve a goal, 
create a Google AdWords account, ask for their service, book appointment with them, and they'll get you started. Perfect. Um, and then after that, watch a whole lot of YouTube videos on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's something that if you master, you're going to have a huge, huge, huge edge on all the competitions. I promise you that. Cool. Well, it's good to know that you can just call up Google and they have good support and they can walk you through because I think things like that can be a little daunting. So knowing that there's good support um, is is fantastic. Yeah, I have not done that yet. I've never done a Google AdWords campaign mm -hmm. or anything like that. But what my one patient told me who found me via my website, he was like, oh, by the way, you know when you type in, you know, physical therapy, New York City home care, you come up first. I was like, yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Then I don't need to yeah. use the AdWords. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, when things come become more competitive and, and likely the private practices out there aren't as sophisticated, so they're not going to be on Google as much doing um, the, a lot of advertising. Like if you're in the marketing space, everybody knows how to oh, use Google. Yeah. So yeah. it's super competitive. People will purchase the keyword for your practice name and they will rank above you for your own practice name because they'll pay for it. You know, there's a lot of tactics that are out there. So That's even, sneaky. you know, yeah, it's definitely sneaky. There's all sorts of sneaky stuff that goes on on the internet. Um, so learning these things is, is always beneficial um, for success in the long term. Yeah. All right. So that's good. That's a good takeaway for people. So I feel like we've definitely talked a lot about different technology that can help you grow. But let's say uh, you're a student. Mm -hmm. So you don't have your own practice. You don't, you know, you're not in that space yet. Um, or even a new grad that maybe doesn't have, is not ready for their own practice. What type of technology do you recommend them to master if, let's say, they do want to go into their own practice one day? That's a really good question, and um, I just kind of would like to take a step back first and, and kind of talk about what stops students and new grads. And the biggest part, the biggest thing that stops students and new grads is fear. And there's a lot of fear um, that stems from both what you hear from the people who came before you, the message that you hear over time while you're in school, and then also just in general, this is the first time you're gonna go out and be a professional and be on your own, so you're very afraid of these things. And typically, that fear will stop people from taking any action in general. So my first advice I always recommend, because this is the advice that my friend gave me that really started the ball rolling for me, is take any action, do something, put yourself out there, and make sure that while you're putting yourself out there, you are feeling that fear and you're confronting it and you're making sure to say to yourself, you know, hey, there's nothing's going to happen if I put myself out there on Facebook, if I write a blog article and it sucks and nobody likes it, if I do a YouTube video and I sound dumb. No, none of these things matter. Everybody sounded dumb the first time they did a YouTube video. Everybody sucked the first time they, writ they wrote something. Speak but it's for the yourself. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the people, you know, it's, it's getting over that. Um, Understand that that's a barrier for everybody, and that is your biggest opportunity, that there is a barrier there. There is this bar that people just don't jump over, and if you jump over, you know, the, the ocean on the other side, it's a blue ocean. There's so much room there. People think, you know, there's no room at the top, but there's the most room at the top because nobody's there to compete with you. So if you just do stuff, anything, literally anything, I know that's extremely broad and it's not very helpful, but, um, you know, anything that you could think of, do it. Now you asked a specific question of what are the technologies that uh, people should learn 
uh, to get ahead in their careers. The biggest one is Twitter. The Twitter is is something that I would recommend getting started with very, very early in your career. And the reason is that all of the PTs are on there. Um, the PT community is very, very active on Twitter, and you can meet anybody on Twitter. Uh, Karen, I think we might have met on Twitter. I'm sure. A year yeah. and a half. You know, that might have been our first point of contact. Yeah. Um, I got the ball rolling in my career on Twitter. Uh, Rich Severin, I met Rich on Twitter, and we built a relationship. I invited him to do um, a podcast with me uh, when I was just kind of starting out. I, I never had done podcasting, but I said, hey, you know, this seems pretty cool. Let's try it. Uh, I haven't done podcasting since just because you only have X amount of hours in the day. And if you're going to do something, be the best at it over time or else, you know, give it up. That's another Seth Godin thing, uh, kind of tangent there. Um, but get involved on Twitter and don't be afraid to get involved in the conversations. Again, do not be afraid to sound dumb. Your tweet will be there for about a quarter of a second, and nobody cares if it sounds 24 dumb. Twenty-four minutes, to be exact. <laughs> yeah, and, and they people. Have a, will... a tweet has a shelf life of twenty-four minutes. Well, that's a, that's a good fact. I actually didn't know the the mm -hmm. shelf life of the yeah. tweet there. Roughly. Um, but no one's going to look at it for the whole 24 minutes. They'll look at it for maybe a quarter of a second if mm -hmm. it doesn't catch their attention. And here's the good thing. If you say something profound and people like it, it will get retweeted, and then that's when your ball starts rolling. Um, who was it that said it? Um, who's the guy uh, who does Shark Tank? Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Uh, something that stuck with me. I, I, he has a an, um, he has an Audible book. I can't, I can't describe it as a book on Audible because it's not a book. It is a compilation of all of his favorite blog posts that is on Audible. Mm -hmm. And he had a quote on there that he said, he says, um, you know, in basketball, you've got to shoot 90% from the free throw line. Um, and the deviations with your percentage are very important. In baseball, you got to bat 300 and the deviations are important. But in business and success in life, all you need is one victory, one win, one time. You can fail 10,000 times, 20,000 times, 100,000 times, and all you need is one victory to be successful. So that point, that point really resonated with me, and, and that made me you know, understand that, hey, I want to put myself out there as much as possible, and I want to stink as many times as possible. And I want to sound like a goofy clown or whatever it may be as many times as possible because I know that one time maybe I'll do something that will resonate with people and it'll be a huge impact on my life and on my career. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And and I would add to that, especially for the, the women listening, uh, PTs, just because this is something that certainly came up in our Women in PT Summit and I see it a lot is oftentimes women – will tend to wait or will tend to, I can't do this, I can't, until everything is perfect. Whereas men will be like, I don't care, I'm just throwing this out there. It doesn't even have to be good. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't matter. Whereas women, and this is, I don't mean to say that as, as you know, derogatory, but it's just, a, it's just happens to be the way it is that a lot of women that I speak to will say, well, you know, how do you know, like, when it's when it's the best it could be? Or, you know, how do I know that it's okay for me to write a blog post? What if it's not perfect? And and I definitely think that there's more of that doubt in women than there there is in men. Um, and so to the women out there, I would just say, if you wait for everything to be perfect, then you'll never start. Yeah, so and, and I think... You have I to think... put yourself out there. 
that that might play into because women, you know, again, have a fantastic creative process. And with creativity, again, comes this this scary thing called fear. And someone actually, um, a good friend of mine, uh, described what's called the resistance. And the resistance is, is the part of the creative process that stops you from creating. It's that question that comes up in your head. Uh, am I good enough to create a blog post or, uh, you know, does, is this blog post perfect? It's the, it's the resistance that stops you from clicking the publish button and you have 200 blog posts in draft, but you haven't released it to the world. It's just that thing in your mind, the limbic system that comes in and, and uh, rears its ugly head and stops you from doing things. And once you overcome that, again, just one time, once you realize that, hey, if I put this into the world and it's not the best it can be, that's okay. No, nobody's going to care. And then you'll learn from that and you'll make it better the next time. And you'll make it better and better and better. And over time, you will become a master. And then that's when stuff will start happening. Yeah. And because I know I have always been very uneasy about putting things out there, whether it be mm -hmm. a podcast or a blog post. I mean, I don't write too many blog posts because I do this every week. But mm -hmm. I know, I remember putting a blog post out and I'm like, oh my God, I hope it's okay. I hope it's, and then it's like, okay, you have to like get the ego out of the way, push the fear out of the way and just say, you know something, uh, I can do this. This makes sense. This is something I would like to, mm -hmm. to read. And so you put it out there and that's, you know, to be honest, every time I do a podcast or I put something out there, it's something that I know I would like. Right. You know, and that's not being selfish. It's just I'm if I'm my ideal audience, why would I put something out there that I wouldn't want to read or that I wouldn't want to listen to? You know, yeah, so I that's, think that's if, major. if you're on the fence, just look at what you've written and say, you know, I think I would like to know this because odds are you are your ideal customer. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, Karen, it, there comes a point where there's like this second level of resistance that kicks in because for me and you, right, we, we have reputations of some sort, maybe, maybe not the biggest in the world, but sure, you know, we, we at least feel that we maybe have some sort of reputation. And then that, that brings the resistance back again because now it's like, oh, this blog post that I write has to live up to that standard or else my reputation is going to diminish because I put out something that's not of as great a quality as I mm -hmm. have done in the past. So that's when, you know, there's kind of the second phase of resistance that comes when you think to yourself, okay, I have this reputation. Am I going to damage it by publishing something? And that's not going to happen. It's yeah. just not. That's and not, listen, you know, and if, you, if you've written something and you read it and you're like, oh boy, I hope this isn't going to, then maybe you shouldn't publish yeah, it. <laughs> I mean, if that's absolutely. going through your head, like, oh boy, this is, this doesn't really go with my brand at all. Yeah. This is really off. Then, then maybe you should retool that a little bit, you know, send it out to someone, have them like what I do is I always send stuff out to someone to read it first. And then I get the feedback and then I change it, you know, like you said before, you know, it's higher if, if you have to hire someone or just send it to a friend, like, or I'll send yeah. it to my mom. I mean, my you mom's know, I, not a PT, but uh, my mom is the general public who I may want to read it. Right. That's, that's very important too. Family is a tricky one because they'll either be uh, super supportive or super critical. You know, there's yeah, <laughs> typically no med middle ground with family. Um, so it's always good to get their opinions because, you know, they are family. And then it's always good to get others. I think one thing I take for granted is that I have editors 
in my office with me and I don't even like think about the fact that I pass things through them. So that's a great piece of advice. Get a second set of eyes on everything. Always, always. And like I have a friend, um, because I always say like I'm not a good writer, which is why I do a podcast. Um, I know my limitations. I'm okay with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was, I forget where I, I think I was at the San Diego Pain Summit or something and someone's like, how could you say you're not a good writer? I read your bio. I'm like, I didn't Uh write that. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I didn't write yeah. that bio. I wrote when I wrote my original bio. It was just like most other people's bios that I see. A lot of PT bios that I see. It's like I graduated from here, then I worked here, then I worked here, then I worked here, and now I do this. Yep. And I gave it to my friend Denise. So she's in um, PR. She has a PR agency, mm-hmm. and she looked at it and she was like, "This is awful." Like she was like, "This is really, really terrible." <laughs> yeah. She's like, I can't, I can't let you do this. So she took it and rewrote it for me. So she's the one who wrote my, um, bio and it's really resonated with people. So it it was, it was a, for me, time well spent and a good learning experience because I thought that I had a great bio already. And she was like, this sucks. Yeah, and everybody has their medium. Some people uh, are great on video, like Gary Vaynerchuk. He says, you know, I I do video because I'm great on video. That's my medium. He doesn't write as much. Uh, Some people are great on podcasts. You know, they love audio, but they really don't like the video of of component of things. And some people are great writers and they hate video and they hate podcasts. They hate hearing their own voice. Mm -hmm. So there's a medium for everybody. And some people do art. Some people just do infographics. Some people just draw pictures. Uh, If you're a great artist, a way you might want to resonate with your patients is to draw a picture of the foot and ankle and provide them with the details within that drawing that will help them understand what you're going to do for them. Um, I guarantee you that if you share that on social media and you do a great job and you're a great artist, it will get shared and you will, you will start developing a reputation for being unique and doing something that other people don't do. Uh, but there's something for everybody and you have to, to try a couple things out and find out what, what do I like to do? What do I enjoy doing? What's the message, like you said, what's the message that I like conveying? What makes me happy? Because uh, the last thing you want to do is, is uh, create for the sake of of, of results and right exactly yeah. yeah and you want to do it because it's something that's fun for you too absolutely and you can find you know there's strength finders there's a lot of different things that you can that you could do to f- kind of find your strengths but I think like you just said it's a great idea for you to like what I did last year was I actually wrote down this is what I really like to do this is what I really mm-hmm. hate doing and as a result I hired two people <laughs> <laughs> Because that's a good one. There are things that I really hated to do. Like I hate writing the show notes for the podcast. Sure. I hate it. I've said yeah. that a million times. I hated doing that. And it, and so because I hated it, it was half-assed. It was like I would wait to the last minute. Just there's nothing good about it. Um the other thing I didn't hate doing, I actually really enjoyed trying to make graphics, but I'm really bad at it. <laughs> So just okay. <laughs> because you enjoy something doesn't mean you're good at it. That's a great so point. I instead of making so instead of writing out the show notes, I have a production assistant who's a student at Chapman University, Julie, who does all the show notes and she does a great job because she's a really good writer. I am not. <laughs> then I hired a virtual assistant, Courtney. She does all the graphics because what she can do in ten minutes would take me two hours. 
Yeah. So yeah, all of yeah. a sudden, my time is my money, right? Right. So right. instead of me saying, well, I'm going to spend two hours of my day trying to do a graphic, mm-hmm. which even though I enjoy doing it, does that not sound crazy? Yeah, I think it's um, insane. It's, <laughs> it's definitely very, very important, especially over time to think about time as your most, most, most valuable asset. I think um, just to bring this back, because we were on the topic of students and new graduates, it's also very important to try all of these things. And in the beginning, you're going to have to do the grunt work in anything oh, that yeah. you do. You're going to have to go through the sludge. So Karen, obviously, she she went through the ringer. You know, she she did the show notes for all her podcast, and then she earned the rights to hire this person to do it for her because she knew exactly what she needed. Um, I'm saying she, but I'm yeah, kind of no, talking get, to you, but talking idea. to the audience here. Yeah, I get but, the idea. But it's very, very important to to um, do those things on your own. Once you learn how to do them, and you say, "I hate doing this," and somebody can probably do it better, but I can tell them exactly what I need to get done for my specific project, then it's an absolutely a great idea to hire out for all those things. Okay, so I really apologize for that abrupt ending there, but I was trying to find a good place to kind of cut this podcast into two because as we were doing it, we didn't think we were going to do two. It was going to turn into two. So anyway, I figured nice to end on that. You know, always if you need the help, refer it out. You cannot do it all. And I think that was the big takeaway from the end here from Brett. And like I said in the beginning, uh, part two is coming out uh, in a couple of days. So be sure to tune in to get the continuation of uh, Dr. Brett Kestenbaums and I of our uh, continued conversation on being an entrepreneur in the physical therapy world. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.